Good morning, Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm glad you're here. It's Trinity Sunday. We have lots of wonderful music for you this morning. I'm glad that you are here this morning. Um, we are going to start this day uh, with a song from hmm, the 19, gosh, I can't even remember, 70s or 80s. Um, it's a lovely song uh, called Love is Spreading Over the World. The hills are alive and the earth is humming. Love is spreading over the world. Put your ear to the ground, you can hear it coming. Love is spreading over the world. Hear it in the trees as the breeze is blowing. See it in the fields where the grass is growing. Pretty soon the world will be overflowing with love, sweet love. Shout it down from the highest steeple. Love is spreading over the world. Well, give the word to all of God's people. Love is spreading over the world. Everybody, somebody, sister or brother, now is the time to love one another hand in hand we can make it together love is spreading over the world glory glory what a morning there's a promise of something new look around the day is dawning let it shine let it shine on you Thank you, Carl and Ron. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Uh, I really kind of need to move up, though, in the future because, you know, online, the cameras, it makes it look like I'm all alone with just Ellen and Vivian. But there are people here. We welcome you all online. Thank you for being here. The bell choir is here, and they're going to play for us. Uh, and Trio Rasa is here. Uh, our guests this morning are going to be blessing us with special music. They're going to be playing with the bell choir, and now they're going to call us 
to worship this morning, Trio Rasa. Rasa, a beautiful way to start the morning. Thank you. Uh, the Pentecost is red. Uh, the Sunday after Pentecost, we go to green. And every year, the Sunday after Pentecost is a d day when we muse upon God revealed as the Trinity. So we'll be doing that this morning. And our opening hymn reflects that. If it's comfortable for you, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. The great Trinitarian call to worship here, holy, holy, holy. And this is sort of the waltz version. first uh, shared prayer of the morning is the Curie. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Curie Eleazar. hymn of praise, uh, You Are Holy, we'll sing through it twice. Thank you. 
be with you. Let us pray. Gracious Lord God, you alone are holy. Creator, Savior, Sustainer, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship you in your majesty. We pray into the mystery of one God in three persons. Our very existence comes from you. We look to you for life, for hope, for meaning and direction. Open our hearts and minds now to your truth that we might live our lives in response to your grace. We offer our prayers to the one revealed to us through the blessed Trinity. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Fire and Trio Rasa under Sheila's direction.
Thank you, that was incredibly lovely. Thank you so much. The first lesson is from the first chapter of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was complete chaos and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome, and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things, and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. 
the word of the Lord. God said, let us make humans in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humans in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, 
See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Tonya. Long reading. Thank you very much for that. And uh, thank you to our musicians. Thank you again to Trio Rasa. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for this place, my culture would be limited to Frank Sinatra and the Eagles and Eminem playing Not Peanut. Um, anyway, thank you all for, uh, for being here. Uh, you gotta, you're going to stay awake now, stand with me. Everybody ready? All right. Well, we have that beautiful story. Now, our story begins in the beginning. That is, after all, a good place to start. You see, the entire first chapter of the first book of the Bible is dedicated, as you just heard, to creation. But before we enter the story, we should be very clear about the story that we are entering. The Genesis creation story is not science. The Bible does not provide us with a scientific explanation or rendering of creation. We can leave those details to scientists who have a different opinion every decade. What we have here is the first, the simplest, and probably the most important confession of faith. A confession of faith. God created. It was not an accident or a coincidence. It was intentional. God created. And the second part of that confession, it was good. It was a gift and it was good. And finally, humans are created in God's image. That is the confession of faith found in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created. Light replaced darkness. It's hard to be creative in the dark. The atmosphere is separated from the earth. Waters had to know their limits. Mountains rose up. Rivers began to flow to the sea. The planets and the galaxies were created. Vegetation covered the land. Fruit trees, avocados, turnips, and broccoli. Great fish and sea monsters were created. And the birds of the air took flight. Camels and crocodiles, foxes and squirrels, leopards and lemmings. And with each passing day, God looked at creation and God liked it. It was good. It was very good. Now on day six, humans were made in the image of God, female and male in the image of God. In the beginning, God sought to bring order out of chaos. And let me tell you, folks, there was a whole lot of chaos going on. A chaos of a creation that we will never totally understand. Now, if we look at the cosmos today, scientists will tell us 
that the seeming chaos of creation is still taking place. New stars, new worlds, black holes, unimaginable power, energy, and beauty. Now, perhaps some of it is random. Then again, perhaps none of it is random. It's all a part of some grand design. In the beginning, God sought to bring order out of chaos. The earth was formed out of chaos. 4.5 billion years ago, the earth was spinning much faster than it does now. Each day was perhaps 12 hours long. The earth was minding its own business when suddenly chaos happened. A planet the size of Mars slammed into earth. It was a mess. It was chaos. It is doubtful that any life could have survived. The collision would spin off a tremendous amount of chaotic matter, we might say. That mass of material would come together and become our moon. An accident? I'm not buying it. Without the moon, the world as we know it would not exist. Perhaps there would be no life. We do know that the tides would be almost non-existence, and couples would not fall in love by the light of the silvery moon. The chaos was not over. In some ways, it was just beginning. There would be times when the earth was mostly uninhabitable. There would be floods and ice ages, meteor strikes, millions of years of volcanism, and lava flows right here in our neighborhood. The lava flows of the Columbia Plateau would continue for 10 to 15 million years. That lava is now 6,000 feet deep, a testimony to the chaos of a time before our time. In the beginning, God sought to bring order out of chaos. Now, to understand our place in all this, we should start with Jesus, because we should always start with Jesus. The teachings of the Bible seen through the lens of Jesus and his ministry and his life and his teachings. And why do we do this? Because Jesus, we know, is the most complete revelation of God that we have. Order out of chaos. Why? Well, Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life. Life in abundance, it seems, was always God's dream for all of creation. Our text this morning chronicles the days of creation. Humans are created, and then our reading for today ends in this way. God said to the humans, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Subdue and dominion. Do you use those words very often? Would you consider those words to have a positive or negative connotation? Hey, honey, I'll be in for dinner in just a minute. First, I have to go subdue the neighbors. And remember, dear, I have dominion over you, so have that dinner on the table when I get back. Does that sound good? Subdue and dominion? Could it be that we have misunderstood those words? They are, after all, translations from ancient Hebrew, English words that attempt to capture the meaning of the Hebrew words. Could it be that the meaning was somehow lost in translation? Now, subdue is a verb, meaning to conquer or to vanquish, 
to control by exertion of the will. Is this our God-given place? To vanquish the animals? To vanquish the creatures of God who share the planet with us? Would anyone here this morning want to be vanquished? I don't think so. But subdue also means to bring the land under cultivation. Might we say to work with the land, that together we might bless creation. You see, how we understand these words, subdue and dominion, can make a big difference in our theology and in our practice. Dominion. God certainly has dominion over us as humans, but what does that dominion look like? Well, we were created in God's image. We were given the gift of life, did nothing to deserve it. We were given free will. We are loved, we're forgiven, and we're safe always in the loving care of God. That's what God's dominion looks like. Dominion, perhaps it too is the wrong word, a poor translation. Dominion, domineering, domination. Did God want us to dominate the animals and the birds and the fish and the forest? Or was it something else? The Bible tells us that humans were given dominion over the planet. Dominion, jurisdiction, command, authority, control. But both dominion of the planet Earth and the call to subdue or cultivate were based in God's previous stated desire, namely, that all of creation would be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful. Might we define a fruitful existence as an abundant existence? Abundant life for all of God's creatures? Jesus called us to service, to foot-washing humility. Humility seems to be on the opposite end of the spectrum from domination, does it not? And I can't find a case where Jesus subdued anything or anyone. Well, I suppose a few demons and a few of the self-righteous religious, but those were the exceptions. The one who was willing to die on the cross did not really exercise dominion, at least not the way we have understood that word. Subdue and dominion are calling from God in the book of Genesis. But could we have had it wrong? How we understand these words is critical because it informs our practice. Okay, dominion. Does a king or queen have dominion over their subjects? Well, yes, they do. But wise queens and kings understand that their position and privilege comes with responsibility. The responsibility far outweighs any perceived privilege. The subjects of the royals were dependent upon them for good care and stewardship. In turn, if the royals took good care of their subjects, they were less likely to be confronted by an angry mob or be the victims of a palace coup. Perhaps we're not called to dominate at all. Perhaps we're not called to conquer or dominate or vanquish. Perhaps God made us partners in creation, caretakers. And with that calling comes an awesome responsibility. Let's consider for a moment the beginning of human history. 
What was, this is a little quiz, what was the world's oldest profession? Now get that out of your mind. That's not right. That's not correct. The world's oldest profession, what was it? Well, actually, there are two professions that could claim that title. And if we look at this clearly, it might help us to understand God's desire for us. It might offer us some path forward as we seek to live in relationship with each other and with God's created order. The oldest professions in the Bible were these. Pet owner and gardener. Got it? The third would be boat builder, and the fourth was a winemaker, but we'll leave those for another day. Let's stick with the world's oldest professions for now. Pet owner. How many of you, by show of hands, have ever had a pet in your life? Okay, just as I suspected. Many of you have talked to me in utter despair when one of your pets died or you had to have a pet put down. Why? Because your pets are not just animals. They are your companions. They are your friends. They are like family to you, and perhaps they're more lovable and dependable than your actual family. This is an important relationship. It's not casual at all, is it? It is intimate. You pet their tummy, and they lick your face. How intimate is that? They sleep with you. They cuddle in your lap. They give and receive affection. Probably more marriages would survive if we treated our spouses like we did our pets. I'll trust you to meditate on that one during the week. No need to get back to me. Just take an inventory, change your behavior if it's necessary. What is our relationship to our pets? It's intimate, but there's more than that. Those pets depend on you. They need you every day. They need you to feed them, to give them water. They need exercise. They need shots. They need to go to the vet. They need you, and they would not survive without you. Now, as we look at this first story in the Bible, one of the first things that God did in the creation story was to have the humans name the animals. Who do we name? We name our children, right? We give our children a name. We know them. They are ours. We must care for them. Might we say that they are under our loving dominion? God said, name those animals. Why? Because I want you to know their names. They are your pets. They share the land and sea and air and water with you. In naming them, you see, God initiated a greater intimacy. How many of you been gardeners or farmers in your life okay quite a few of you I grew up surrounded by farms in northern Illinois surrounded by farmers my father was raised on a farm my grandfather was a sharecropper God made Adam and Eve gardeners in the grand garden called Eden it was intentional God could have made them financial advisors but God gave them responsibility for the garden What do we know about gardens and farms? Gardens don't grow on their own. They need care, pruning, watering, weeding, planting, harvesting, protection from extreme heat and bugs. Corn and soybeans on farms don't just grow. The soil needs to be cultivated, cared for, and nourished. Crops need to be rotated. There's a relationship between the gardener and the garden, and it is intimate. There is a partnership between the plants, the soils, Mother Earth, 
brother sun, sister moon. To what purpose? That all might go forth and multiply. That the earth might be fruitful for every living creature. That all of creation might experience abundance. The stories you see of creation teach us of the critical interdependence that we have with the natural world. The stories of creation remind us that we are pet owners intimately connected to the animals, the birds, the fish that we have named. And we are gardeners. We've been given the responsibility of dominion, caring for that which God has entrusted to us. But we've also been given free will. And there are consequences for our actions. It should be noted that God did not protect the farmers of this country from the devastating dust bowls of the 1930s. It should be noted that God did not protect the people of Chernobyl or Hiroshima. God has given us dominion, but God will not save us from ourselves. Creation. There is little that we can do to harm creation. The earth has survived and thrived She has endured much more than we could ever do to her. Creation can withstand anything. But humans, you, me, our grandchildren, not so much. We cannot destroy creation, but we can destroy ourselves, our pets, our birds, our bees, and the environment, the garden that God has entrusted to us. We cannot destroy creation, but humans can go the way of the passenger pigeon or the western black rhino. All of the animals had names. Names given to them, the pet owners, the guardians, those who were given dominion, those entrusted with their care, and to what end that all creation would be free to be fruitful and multiply. You see, the wolf and the owl, they are your pets. The hills, rivers, and coastlines, that is your garden. We have been given dominion, and that is an awesome responsibility. Now, discussions about the environment, about global warming, about the habitat of the orcas or the spawning rivers of the salmon are not outside of our faith. No, it is the first responsibility that God gave us. It is the cornerstone of our calling. If we destroy the environment entrusted to us, then there'll be no abundant life for God's magnificent creatures of the earth. Now, I get it. It's all overwhelming sometimes. The problems we face seem overwhelming, but that doesn't make us helpless. Like most problems, this one is best addressed one decision at a time, one day at a time. One man, one woman will make little difference on their own, but when millions of people join the effort, at whatever level they can, and when government, at our urging, does its part to legislate creation care, then we can care for and heal the world. We are stewards, we are pet owners, we are gardeners, we are called, all of us, to treat this world and its inhabitants with the same care and kindness that we extend to our pets. And little acts make a difference. Go to the grocery store less often. Plan ahead, shop for the week, combine your errands, drive less. Now, I would tell you all, 
to take up bike riding, but I don't even want you on ladders. But we can recycle, and we can eat food that's locally grown, food that arrived at your table without flying or being driven hundreds of miles in a truck. We can make the commitment to have two dinners a week without meat. The best way, of course, to help the environment is to not waste food. And we can do that. We can do away with one-use plastic bottles or containers, and we can carry our own shopping bags with us. You see, we're not responsible for most of what happens in the world, but we are responsible for our garden, for our neighborhood, for our corner of creation. And this call is not optional. It is the first calling of God to humans. So let us make every effort to leave this planet better than we found it. Amen? Pearl and Ron are going to sing for us. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He spreads out the heavens and walks on the wings of the wind. He sends forth the springs from the valleys, they flow between mountains. The birds of the air dwell by the water, lifting their voices in song, singing glory, glory, glory. trembles. He touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praises to my God as long as I Oh, oh, oh. 
may remain seated as we lift our hearts to God in prayer. Tony is going to lead us in the prayers. Uh, each petition will end, Holy God of love, and our response, be with us as we pray. Let us pray. As we pray this day, Holy God, we know you have heard us before the words cross our lips. You ever and always hear our prayers. Hear our prayers this morning. We bind ourselves, O God, today to the strong name of the Trinity, and we name you three in one, one in three, creator, redeemer, and giver of life, and claim our place in your community of love. Holy love of God. We pray for our hurting world, that war makers will find the path to peace that the hungry will find food, that those seeking refuge will find shelter, that injustice will be answered with all that is right and good. Holy God of love, be with us. We pray for all who suffer, for those we know and love, for those we barely know, for those whose suffering we have ignored, be present in the healing touch of all hands that help the sick and suffering, and send your spirit to comfort and protect all who need you. Holy God of love, we pray for all who struggle, for those who cannot see a way through broken relationships, difficult financial realities, emotional darkness, and deep, deep loneliness. May they find you even in the most hopeless places. May they find your people too in those places, bringing hope and lifting all. Holy God of love. We pray for all who are joyful. We rejoice at the promise of new life and old lives made new. We celebrate the movement through milestones, births, graduations, new jobs, new relationships, the promise of something wonderful. We remember those moments of blessing in our own lives, and we give thanks. Holy God of love, we bind ourselves, O God, today to the strong name of the Trinity, and we claim our place in your community of love. Be with us, within us, behind us, before us. May we be your comfort, restoration, and peace in the world. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. So with you. I'd invite you to stand up and share the peace with one another. Thank you for sharing that greeting and peace. Thank you for sharing in that greeting and peace. After the service, come on over to the gym for a time of coffee and cookies and fellowship. The courtyard is open outside as well. Go outside. Nice day to be out in the courtyard. Take your coffee and your cookies out there. 
uh, as well. Read that bulletin every week very carefully. Would encourage you to do that. Uh, Jan Allen's got a birthday uh, coming up this week. Jan, where's Jan? Where I saw Jan. There's Jan uh, right back there. Jan will be 91 this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, also on Tuesday, Trudy Martin is going to be 97. Trudy, longtime member of our church, now lives in assisted living in town. But she asked uh, her son Steve what she wanted to do for her birthday. She said, I want to come worship with my church family. So next Sunday, she's going to be here. We're going to celebrate her 97th birthday and would encourage you to bring a card in for Trudy next week. If you know her or you don't, bring a card in and we'll celebrate a birthday with her. Uh, We had lost this week, uh, reminded that uh, in the order of creation, we have no eternal abiding place here on earth. Mabel Alexander, who we sang to a few weeks ago on her 99th birthday. Uh, Bob Alexander's mom died this last week, and Gloria Hartnett died this week as well. Uh, So um, both of those are pending those services. Uh, We'll let you know more on that, but certainly keep uh, Bob and his family in your prayers. Keep David Hartnett in your prayers as well. We have a couple announcements. Uh, Carl, you go ahead while Lana comes up out on that table out there in the narthex sign up for summer music go ahead and sign up they have already started so don't miss your opportunity Uh-oh. good morning <laughs> uh, two reminders and one new one usher training next sunday right after this service if you miss the usher training in may it, please come that'd be great 9 10 in between um June 15th at noon is our luncheon. Remember, it's Hello Summer, so hop on the computer and see what summer food is supposed to look like. Um, And there's a blue sign-up sheet out in the narthex. And then, because you guys did such a wonderful job of signing up in June, I have July and August sign-ups already in the gym. So please sign up. Thank you. Very good. Deacon Amy. I always feel so underdressed, Lana. (laughs) Um, Vacation Bible School coming up July 17th to 21st. So on the table in the narthex is this green sheet that talks about Vacation Bible School and day camp. So VBS is 9 to noon for all of our littles, our pre-K through 5th grade students. And then day camp is 9 till 3.30 for all of our older, our middle school and high school kids who come help with VBS in the morning and then stick around for fun field trips and activities. So registration for both of those is open on our website. And if you would like to volunteer, there are yellow forms on the table in the narthex. It takes a lot of people working together to make Vacation Bible School happen. So um, if you're curious, if you want to know what that's like, come and find me in coffee hour. I would love to chat with you. So we returned um, late last Sunday night from Holden Village. We took a group. We had 13 students with us. Um, 11 of them were Trinity students, and then two of them were um, kids from other churches that didn't have groups going. So we picked them up along the way, and they traveled with us, spent the weekend at Holden Village, just had a fantastic time um, learning and growing and playing and exploring together. So thank you, Trinity, for supporting uh, our youth and enabling us to, to do great things like this. And then also last week was our preschool graduation. So we're going to share some fun songs from our preschoolers with you. Like a rock, like a rock, like a rock. 
adorable? <laughs> and uh, thank you to Mr. Carl for encouraging their incredible musical abilities. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. I think most of them would be better in the bell choir than singing in the choir right now, but time will tell. Uh, also this week, uh, a bit of a celebration this week. Uh, if I have my numbers right, this should be 30 years of service for Robin Edgman this week. Uh, 30 years uh, serving us. And she is out in the narthex hiding out, but uh, thank you to Robin for that. Word about Holy Communion. Uh, the most important word is all are welcome always. Not a Lutheran table, it's the Lord's table. You are welcome always by the invitation of Jesus. Doesn't matter if you've ever worshipped with the Lutherans before, you are welcome this day because Jesus is the host. The ushers will help you to come down the center aisle to our little Jordan River there. You'll hold out your hand to receive the host, hold on to it momentarily, then dip it or intinct it into the chalice of your choice. The first chalice of wine, the second chalice will have grape juice. We also have gluten-free elements as well. If it's comfortable for you as we transition to the table, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in this place, we gather at a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents, a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of colors and denominations this day. Here we find our unity in the feast of victory of our God. And so it is, we remember, a Thursday night in an upper room in Jerusalem. It was Holy Week. It was the night in which he was betrayed. Our Lord Jesus took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, gifts of God for the people of God. All are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. Blessing is shared within our midst. 
Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Everything is beautiful in its own way. Like a starry summer night or snow-covered winter's day. Everybody's
may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you, now and always, in God's grace. Amen. Fed and forgiven, go forth to make a difference where God puts you this week. And as you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our big ending, our sending hymn, I'll Fly Away. Thank you.